As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This season, the world's biggest football podcast network is even bigger. Alongside our three weekly episodes of Totally and the two Totally Football League shows, we've got three episodes of the all-new Athletic Football Podcast with Mark Chapman. Adam Hurry's football cliches will now be with you on Mondays and Wednesdays. There'll be two lots of Michael Cox on our tactics podcast and we've revamped our FPL and women's football shows. Our Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham club podcasts are now twice a week. And don't forget, we've also got our TIFO, Offside Rule and Football Manager shows too. There are also amazing new series with both Kelly Cates and Jackie Oatley coming up later in the year, so stay tuned for those. You can listen to all of these podcasts across our network in all the usual places or ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic, the world's biggest football podcast network. season of championship chaos awaits promotion relegation bust-ups loving sacking signings neil warnock handing out autograph pictures wayne rooney redacted and best of all supporters in stadiums we preview the upcoming campaign in the most unpredictable league in the wide world of football in this totally football league show in association with paddy power Hello listener, what a joy it is to be back in the canals of your ears. If you're new to the pod, I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Every Monday and now Thursday, I'm joined by a panel of EFL experts to talk through all the latest from the Football League. Today, we're looking ahead to the new championship season in the company of EFL goal centurion Sam Parkin. Hello Matt, how are you doing? Really good, thank you. Uh, also with us, the once wing wizard turned writer and broadcaster Adrian Clark. Hello, hello everybody. Uh, and from The Athletic, the incomparable Ryan Conway. Hi Ryan. Hello, Matt. Uh, now, Ryan, you write for the Athletic about Derby County mainly. So, nice, quiet summer. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been lovely. <laughs> Managed to take some time off. My club didn't implode. Um, no, 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 no. Both of those things didn't happen. But he's kept me occupied, so that's always good. That's true. So we're recording on Monday. Wayne Rooney thinks he's going to get some new players in. I'm spelling player the traditional way, not like player with an A, which one might charitably use to describe Wazza after recent transpirings. Um, if they do make signings, is he just going to nobble them all in training or, or will they be able to have an impact? I'm 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 not answering any of these questions. If this is if this is your behaviour towards me at the, at the start, I, I I will refuse to engage in in any of this. <laughs> 
Has he has he been quite lucky though? Seriously, because his position hasn't come under threat. I saw Ian Holloway saying yesterday that that he thinks he's lucky not to have been given the sack because of those photos that came out with him in in compromising positions slash sleepy positions with some women who weren't his wife. Is the fact that Derby probably can't afford to get rid of him and bring somebody else in has that has that worked in his favour? Um, yeah, I would say so. After the, all the financial strife that has been well documented. That's going on at Derby County. The last thing they need is a manager payout. Obviously, Rooney's contract only sort of runs to you know the end of next season, but still, two years of of, of compensation would be a hefty amount considering where where Derby are um, financially. So, yeah, I think it is. For, I don't want to use the word fortunate. Nothing about this is fortunate, <laughs> but it's less bad. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, Clarky, what will the players have made of it? it? It kind of weakens his his position with them, doesn't it? If they get in trouble, then they can just say, "Yeah, but look what you yeah. did." Yeah, it's not it's not a great look. It's a bit embarrassing, first and foremost, isn't it? And and when he tries to instill some discipline, say some of his players get into trouble, some stuff appears on social media. What can he do? What can he do to? discipline those players that they can just say well you know you did it so so he's in an awkward position no doubt about that and yeah look, look, that's just one of many many concerns Wayne Rooney has ahead of this season it's it's an absolute mess at Derby and genuinely if if nothing dramatic changes I think if he can get them anywhere close to mid-table and survive the season in the job it'll be one of his greatest career achievements on the kind of not plus side, but but in Rooney's favour, Sam, did Derby maybe owe him for for him sticking by them last season? Because somebody in his position who clearly doesn't need the money and would probably get another job at uh, a comparably sized club could have just walked away when when it all started getting messy financially. Yeah, qu- quite possibly. I don't think there's any doubt that he'll you know have lots of suitors if he was to 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 leave in in the next few months if they don't start the season particularly well um i think he showed something in those early weeks about 10 games was it maybe a dozen games when they were very hard to beat defensively ironically for such a brilliant prolific striker he had a fantastic knack of setting the team up and making them hard to beat that said I think even now going into this new season, going to be so reliant on the same players. Um, I'm sure Ryan's got a better idea than me which areas they're looking to improve in, which players that are on trial are going to come in. But I mean, to go into this season with just Kazim Richards really as your talisman, Tom Lawrence obviously being handed the captaincy. He was the jewel in the attacking crown every time I saw them live when he got back playing. So it's a big pressure on those two, I think, you know, especially Kazim Richards, who was almost written off before he came to the club and has done fantastically well. So major surgery needed. Um, he's probably not going to be able to bring in anywhere near what he wants to. But um, yeah, I think Wayne Rooney, I think Wayne Rooney will get it right, whether it's this season, we'll have to wait and see. Probably not. Uh, hey Ryan, before we move away from the unpleasantness uh, that is Derby County, uh, Sam mentioned Colin Kazim Richards there. It's a good opportunity for you to plug your piece again with him because that was one of my favourite of yours from last season. Still available on the Athletic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I um, I spent an entire afternoon with with Colin for an interview slot that was only meant to be for two hours. So no doubt the club PR was very unhappy with that. Uh, <laughs> but we uh, he he, tu- he turned he turned up late, but apologised profusely. He'd been to a, a PE lesson um, at a, at a local school. He was he was helping out there. Um, we chatted about because 
I figured that since he'd returned to, to England, everyone had talked about his footballing journey because he's been all over the world. But he himself is, is a fascinating person. Um, you know, he'd confronted death five times before he'd even turned 20. He'd had cousins and siblings and, you know, very close friends, best friends pass away in unfortunate, heartbreaking circumstances um we spoke a lot about about those about him maturing as a as, as a human as a, as a man as well he spoke about when he had his daughter that that taught him to be a lot more empathetic and, and see things from from different perspectives and um he was a lot more emotional and um was a lot more open in showing his emotions and it, it was just a, it was a fascinating insight into what is a, a really really interesting person um and then he dragged me all around Derby to try and find chocolate cake and pick his kids up from school because that's how long the interview ran up for. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but yeah, one of my one of my my favourite pieces that, that I've done for for the Athletics so far, and, and Colin is a, a a lovely lovely dude and a really fascinating guy as well. Do go check that out if you haven't already. Uh, right, we'll start our preview proper after this. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Things to look out for this season then. Um, Sam, what, what are you looking forward to in 2021 slash 2022 in the Championship? Oh, um, obviously the stadium is being full, I suppose, and um, home advantage counting for something. Um, scribbled down a few of the clubs that I would imagine will prosper having the the punters back in in their numbers. Millwall would be an obvious one. I'm just going to go for the basically the the, the fans with the toughest reputations here. Luton, <laughs> um, Cardiff would be another one. QPR, which you would always think was quite a, a tranquil ground to go and play at. It's not. Um, it's very tight and um, you get enormous amounts of stick, especially when you're, you're under the cosh. So that would be another one. Um, and, and the clubs coming down from the Premier League, which are going to be really well supported and will give the smaller clubs the opportunity to go and have their day out in the, in the sun somewhat, um, which they weren't able to do last year. Probably Wickham, I'm talking about, above anyone else, would have been amazing for their fans to go and experience some of the stadiums, you know, even as a player. I remember my first year in the Championship, you're, you're ticking off grounds that, You'd never imagine that you were going to get the opportunity to play at your derbies, Nottingham Forest, Sunderland. Every week, your, your motivation was clear. And for a number of players last year, they didn't get that chance. Likewise, the, the Wickham supporters will, will hope they prosper again this year and they can get another crack at it. Adrian, you were at the Emirates this, this weekend past and for a pre-season friendly between Arsenal and Chelsea. And I thought the difference that the crowd made to that intensity uh, of the game and the way that it was played was so noticeable. It's it's one of those things that I've always kind of thought that players and managers paid lip service to, to saying, oh, the crowd were the 12th man or whatever. But it, it definitely impacts the the intensity, if not the quality of a game. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, it was the first game I'd been at with, with, a, with a big crowd since March 2020. So it was just awesome to hear the noise. Even though, you know, Emirates Stadium was less than half full, it was amazing and it definitely impacted on the tempo of the game. The players played at a pretty frenetic 
pace. There were some tackles flying in. It was a great friendly, to be honest. Um, and I believe it will improve the spectacle of championship games. It has to. Hand on heart, the championship was a bit bit dull last season in terms of too many matches. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Not dull in terms of news stories or whatnot, but and there were some there's some great moments, but there was a lot of boring games. And I think I think the lack of fans had something to do with that. I know that statistically the number of goals scored was way down on previous seasons. So hopefully we'll get faster games with more goals. That's that's the plan. What about from a journalist's point of view, Ryan? I know you in- enjoyed the ease of getting Greg's delivered straight to your seat at Stoke last <laughs> season. And, and, and I know that it was nice to just park up at a ground, walk in and then, and then get away within five minutes of full time. But it's just not the same, is it? No, no absolutely not. And I think the, the first games I went to back with fans was the, the playoff finals, you know, May, May and June. And that was so, so good. And you, little, little things that the, the pandemic shown that you do take for granted like you know being able to hug your loved ones and and stuff like that being able to hear genuine reactions from actual people in you know reacting naturally in football grounds was was awesome and it'll be a lot of fun well that might be the only fun thing at Pride Park this season so (laughs) I'll be I'll be I'll be enjoying that for uh for, for everything that it's worth Well, the championship season gets underway on Friday night, Bournemouth hosting West Bromwich Albion. Both teams have got new gaffers in situ. Earlier, I caught up with the Athletics West Brom correspondent, Steve Maidley, who presumably wears baggy trousers. Steve, first of all, how's the appointment of of Valor and Ismail been greeted by baggy supporters? Very well, in general. I think there was the odd bit of um, concern about the the style of play, because Barnsley, I think, as most listeners will know, were were fairly direct. Well, they were very direct last season, but um, Ismail kind of calmed a few of those those fears, I think, by reassuring fans that it wouldn't be quite so direct at West Brom, that they would try to have a bit, a bit more possession, and that's the way it's kind of panned out from from what I've seen in pre-season. And I think, I think West Brom fans are just excited to have someone who's got a clear identity about his way of play, who's clearly a, a big personality, um, who will kind of be a figurehead for the club that's been lacking one, really, since the, real, the start of Slavin Bilic's reign. Your latest piece for The Athletic focuses on the need for, for Ismail to help win back fans. What is it that's that's made them disillusioned? It's a series of things, and you, you, you can date it back for quite a few years now, that there was a, a slow, kind of rather painful decline in the Premier League from, from the from the time that, that they finished eighth under Steve Clark to the point where it just, just seemed inevitable that, that, that relegation would happen sooner or later, and that came in 2018. There was just a, a lack of quality investment in players and just a, a, an over-reliance on the same core group who, who just kind of found that they, could, they couldn't they could keep going to the well and it, eventually it came home to roost in, in 2018 when they got relegated. There was a real kind of joy of promotion um, under Slavin Bilic which was, which was a really good season for, for, the, for the most part but that was kind of a, a, a rare high point really in what's been a few years of, of kind of depressing football really. Alex Mowat looks like a, a really good signing. Obviously, played for Ismail last season. Matt Clark's come in from Brighton too. Do you think there'll be any more additions? And, and if there aren't, is the squad good enough to to boying straight back up? I think the key word there is is squad. I think most fans would would, would look at it and say that the the first eleven is definitely good enough, and probably the, the kind of immediate three or four understudies as well. But but the, but the whole squad looks like it lacks a bit of depth. They've relied quite heavily on. On youth team players to in pre-season again, not not to start games, but but to come 
to come on and play those last 20, 30 minutes when they've um, take, taken the, the first choice players off. I think there will be some more additions, but what calibre those additions are d- depend heavily on the futures of Sam Johnson and Mateus Pereira. I think if one or both of those are sold, then it gives West Brom a bit more leeway in the transfer market to, to actually go, go out and maybe pay, pay a couple of fees, um, potentially for a centre-forward. They are lacking a, a real kind of obvious first-choice number number nine. I think if neither of those two are, are sold or if the fees aren't um, what West Brom are particularly look, looking for, then they're looking more in the realms of free transfers or loan players. So they will bring at least a couple more players in, I think, but kind of what, what level of, of player they bring in depends, depends quite heavily on what goes out. Is that something to be concerned about? Because they were pretty parsimonious last season and obviously they've got parachute payments to come. Are there sort of problems financially behind the scenes or are they just being prudent again? Just being prudent, I think. Um, not, I mean, not problems... To the extent that some championship clubs will have, I don't, I don't think. But I think, I think COVID has has taken its toll on on everyone really. And I think the general feeling I think at, I think at West Brom is that the the parachute payments will almost be swallowed up, just keeping them on an even keel really to to plug the holes that COVID has left in terms of commercial income and obviously gate receipts. So I think the parachute payments will almost kind of not not touch the sides in that in that respect. They're not in trouble, I don't. I don't think financially, in that there's not any kind of real desperation financially to sell Johnston and Pereira. But I think there there probably is a desperation football-wise in that Johnston is on, is it uh, only under, under contract for one more year. So if they don't sell him now, then he goes he goes for nothing. And Pereira, I just don't really think fit, fits the, uh, the 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 Ismail mould in in terms of a player. And yet he's clearly their most valuable asset. He's pro- probably a £20 million player in the, in the current market, so they've got a, a real kind of problem to solve there. So if, if we say that there are no more additions, the squad as is now, as we're recording, is that good enough to get back up, do you think? I think it's good enough for, t- for top six. So you know, in that regard, you're in the playoffs, aren't you? And, and you've, you've got yourself a chance of going up. I would be concerned about the, the, the depth of the squad for a top two challenge because it, it looks to me like, like there are only probably two or three key injuries away from... Having problems, I mean the wing back areas particularly, and central midfield. They need some cover for Livermore and, Mo- and Mowat. And like I've said, they they are really short of a of a, a traditional n- number nine, really. Steve Madeley there. Read him only on the Athletic. West Brom amongst the favourites for promotion. In fact, the three sides coming down. The three favourites to go straight back up, according to Paddy Powell, which is a bit depressing. Uh, they've all got new managers. Sam, who do you think has got the best chance? West Brom, Fulham, Sheffield United? I'm changing my mind every minute of the day at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, I'd written off West Brom the, the other day and then I read Steve's brilliant piece, watched some of the, the highlights from pre-season, immaculate in their, their victory at St Andrews, I think it was, and... To put me on the spot, I'm going to say that. Oh, I'm going to say that Sheffield United might be slow out the blocks. I just think Fulham's squad is immense. There isn't players leaving at the moment. I like the additions of Gazaniga in particular to put pressure on on Rodak or to to fight for that jersey. And and Wilson showed in that season, as Ryan will know at Derby, that he can be a real top Championship player, goal getter uh, in a good side. So. Yeah, I like Fulham's squad. There's something about that manager at West Brom. 
And I just think Sheffield United, with the wounds of last season, yeah, I think they won more games than the other two, but the lack of goals. Is Billy Sharp going to be able to do it at his age? Is Ryan Brewster going to be able to recapture what he had at Swansea, which was a brilliant, brilliant spell in the championship? But he seems to be playing with the weight of expectancy on his his shoulders right now. So that's my question mark about Sheffield United. Um, I'll plump for the other two ahead of them. Thing about Sheffield United, Adrian, that the other two don't have is a manager who has been promoted out of this division twice. In fact, Slavisa Jukanovic. Does that not give them something of an advantage? Yeah, course and distance, man, isn't he? He's he's done it before and he did it in really impressive style as well. So, bit of a championship specialist, and he's got a pretty good squad to work with. You've got to say, not too many departures. Reliable players. I think defensively, they'll be be solid, I would imagine. I agree with Sam. I think that the question mark is over creativity and uh, and whether the likes of yeah, whether Brewster can rediscover his goal touch and the other guys can 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 chip in around him. So yeah, I'd put though I'd put the blades as third highest out of out of those relegated three. I think if this trio aren't in the top six, I'll be amazed. I really do. I, I just think that that they're all going to be in the shake-up. I, w- I would side just about with Sam on Fulham being the, being the strongest because of the squad. And uh, yeah, a lot of their better players last season were loanees who they've lost, but you, you still look at their, their squad now and it's it's really strong in championship terms. You know that they're ambitious. The owner will pump money in. So yeah, I, I, I can't look past Fulham as, as being really strong promotion candidates. There are also a couple of young guys there of Carvalho and Francoise that are really exciting the fans. Carvalho is a number 10 that they may be going to put in behind Alexandra Mitrovic, um, which will be really interesting. And it will give Fulham a, a fresh flavour in the championship this season. We know those three have got the financial clout, Ryan. Who else can you see ruffling their feathers? Maybe the, the bullies of Borough? Yeah, as we mentioned before we went to record, I looked at the Middlesbrough squad and thought, man, Neil Warnock is just going to beat you up all season. Uh, and I was I was a big fan of of, of Ik Pezu. The game in which Starby went to Wickham and won two one with the last kick of the of the game from Audrey Wisdom. Ik Pezu won eleven fouls on his own that day, which was just <laughs> absolutely incredible. And then you team that with um, Crooks from from Rotherham, all six foot four of of him, who was. Basically playing as a number ten for for Rotherham when when he was there, they they're just going to beat you up and and be very very effective. I, I think the promotion race is a lot more open this year because I I have doubts that Barnsley will be able to replicate the the outstanding season that that they had. I also have enormous doubts over Swansea as well. They've lost Andre Ayew, who provided a lot of the well. Basically, if, if if Andre Ayew didn't do anything, Swansea seldom scored or won games last year, and they also lost Freddie Woodman. Not to mention um, the centre back uh, Gehi, uh, who who was who was gone. So the 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 promotion race, I think, outside of those top three, I agree with Adrian that the, the three that come down from the Premier League should be should be straight back up there. Um, but but outside of that, I think it is open to a team like like a, a Middlesbrough or a Cardiff or, or someone like that. Who it, I think Huddersfield could be interesting as well because they strike me as a team that will either do very very well under um, Corberan or he could be the first manager sacked. Such is his um, intensity. I wonder how much that wears on players' soft tissue muscles. I'd, I'd probably go a little bit further than than Adrian. Um, 
I'd be, I'd put Bournemouth in there as well with, with the top three. And I'd, I'd, I'm oh, yeah. not going to say astonished, but I would be shocked if it wasn't three from that four at, at the moment. And I agree that, you know, the likes of Middlesbrough, I think Forrest will improve this year. I think Cardiff under Mick McCarthy. I think QPR, Luton are your dark horses. But I think there's those four are clearly the strongest. And, you know, I'd take Scott Parker over Jason Tindall any day of the week. The players with a season in the championship under their belts, they're possibly going to lose Dan Juma, which it could be catastrophic considering his impact last year. But I just think Bournemouth, having had the year in the championship, having Scott Parker at the helm now, I think they'll push the, the the relegated three close. Yeah, on on that, yeah, seventy seven points last season for the Cherries, almost promoted with two B or C grade managers. Scott Parker. I'm not saying Scott Parker is the next Bielsa, but it's a big upgrade. And yeah, providing they only lose one in Danjuma, you know, I, I, yeah, I hope for their sake he stays. But yeah, I, I think Bournemouth or those uh, those three relegated sides will be uh, in the automatics. Uh, I th- want to throw out Blackburn as well. So they obviously they lost Harvey Elliott, but I think when you when you've got Adam Armstrong who scored what was second only behind Ivan Tony for for goals scored and Brereton. Do I have to call him Brereton Diaz now? Now he's a Chilean. Yes, do it, Ryan. Do it. Um, so Ben <laughs> Brereton Diaz um, is also a, a handy. They, they're due to get Bradley Dak back from. Injury as well, who's a very, very clever player. And, I, and I'm a big fan of, of Tyrese Dolan. I know he's inconsistent, he's very young, but he reminds me of a street, like, you know, a cage footballer where he's, he, he's, he's centre of gravity so low and he's, he, he can, he's flicks and he's tricks and he's going one way, then the other. He can change his, you know, direction very, very quickly. So I think it, they might, they might have to sort of shoot out their way into the promotion where they win every game like 4 3. But, but I, I, I like Blackburn as, a, as an entertaining prospect. Yeah. Armstrong might get sold though. That's that's the issue. Ah, that would I be think peak. a few a few clubs <laughs> sniffing around him. Yeah, Clarky, what did you make of, of Swansea appointing Russell Martin as successor to to Steve Cooper? Feels to me like a good appointment a month too late. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it is it is a month too late. I, I do first and foremost I feel really sorry for MK Dons, their dressing room, their their fans. They'll be so demoralised on the eve of the season because Russell Martin wasn't just any old manager. He was a, you know, he had this philosophy that everyone bought into. So, so yes, yeah, it's an absolute killer for, for MK Dons. But for Swansea, yeah, it makes sense because they want to appease the fans who never really took to Steve Cooper because they didn't love the football. And I think they will love the football under Russell Martin. But but Russell Martin has no real track record of producing winning football, does he? It's it's. They, they loved him at MK Dons, but it was very hit or miss in terms of results. It was very much style over results, I felt, for, for, for a lot of the period there. Um, in, very interesting appointment. I hope it works because I like watching that kind of football and it would be great for, for Swansea to, to prove the doubters wrong. But it does feel like they're trimming back a bit financially. And and as, you know, as, as we've just pointed out, They've lost the spine of their team. So for me, Swansea will look better, but probably finish mid-table. I know it's quite fresh, but the most important thing, the pivotal thing for Russell Martin now is getting Matt Grimes to stay. Because having watched his his MK Don side, um, he had about five or six elegant left-footed midfield players uh, who can get on the ball and dictate things in a really 
lovely fashion and, and Matt Grimes should be playing in the Premier League apart from the lads that I grew up with in Chelsea's youth system, John Terry's, John Harley's, Leon Knight, Jody Morris's, who were, were brilliant young players. Matt Grimes is the best that I played with subsequently. So I'm surprised he hasn't notched up a load of Premier League appearances and he will be fundamental to Swansea's chances this year because the ball will be rolled out from the goalkeeper to, to Grimes and he will start every attack. And, and that's the way I'm sure Russell Martin will want to go about things. In terms of those championship promotion odds, uh, as according to our friends at Paddy Power, Fulham the favourites, this is for promotion rather than to win the league. Fulham the favourites 15 to 8, West Brom 21 to 10, Sheffield United 23 to 10. You can get 10 to 3 on Bournemouth, 4 to 1 on Barnsley, 9 to 2 on Reading. Scrolls down a long, 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 long way to find mine and Ryan's teams. <laughs> nope, nope, can't get a bet on them. Uh, not not going to happen. Oh, five to one for Forest. Derby eleven to one. That means that if you put a pound on Derby or Forest, you lose a pound, as the old <laughs> joke goes. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Athletic podcast listeners and especially fans of the Totally Football Show, here's some exciting news if you're that way inclined. The Totally Football Yearbook is the definitive chronicle of the not particularly easy to say 2020-2021 season and it'll look absolutely ravishing on your bookshelf. It'll have features, season reviews, stats, quizzes and plenty more, plus a foreword from Jamie Carragher and lots of the good stuff from your favourite athletic writers, including Nick Miller, Rafa Honigstein and James Horncastle, and people like Daniel Storey, Duncan Alexander and Julian Laurent from Team Totally. The Totally Football Yearbook is out on August the 5th and you can pre-order your copy wherever you get your books today. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. In terms of dark horses, we mentioned Luton. Maybe they could be the ones to watch this season. Let's see if Mad Hatter and TFLS family member Faker Others agrees with that. Faye joins us now. Before we get to Luton though, Faye, what's an encyclopedia? <laughs> Don't you start. Don't you start. Yeah, that went a bit viral, didn't it? <laughs> Fun summer, though. Um, so I've got Luton pegged as, as dark horses for this coming season. Am, am I right? Well, possibly. I mean, certainly as a Hatters fan, I've been really excited by the signings that we've brought in. Eight players as we're recording. Potential, we've got Reese Hutchinson on trial at the moment after he was released by Burton. So we'll see how, how he gets on. But I mean, we've really signed a mixture of proper experience and then exciting young talent, which is exactly what you want in the transfer window. Yeah, some of those names that, that stand out. Carlos Mendes Gomez, we, we had him on at the end of last season before Morecambe were in the playoffs. He's a, a really exciting player to watch. But then, you know, Cameron Jerome, been there, done that. As you say, it's a, it's a really nice blend, on paper at least, of, of youth and experience. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Cameron Jerome was a really interested one because, you know, so experienced, 34 years of age. He's 
plied his trade all over, went out very briefly to to Turkey as well. But, you know, he's been promoted from the championship three times. And when you've got young strikers like Elijah Adebayo, who we brought in in January, you know, he can really help develop him as well as being a proven goal scorer himself. I think he scored like 15 goals uh, for MK Dons last season. And, you know, we only really had one target man, if you like. Obviously, uh, we lost James Collins over over the summer. We've got Elijah as huge. Um, then we've got Cameron as well. It just adds a different dimension, which is fascinating. And then, you know, Mendes Gomez is just a really exciting prospect. I don't like to get, you know me, I'm an eternal uh, positive person, but I don't like to get too carried away. But I feel, you know, we did such a good job last season finishing 12th. I feel like there's so much more to come. And I feel as if... All these players that we've brought in are buying into this project uh, that, that we have at Luton. And, and if you read all of their interviews when they when they joined the club, they all talk about being pretty much sold by what Nathan Jones had to say. And, you know, we very much want to progress people's careers. And, and that, that's something that, that Luton's all about. And they've all bought into that. And that can only be exciting for the season ahead. Let me throw some cold water on your fireball <laughs> you of might. enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> say we say we get I don't know to November December and Luton are in the top six and and somebody makes a sacking at the top end of the division or maybe even the bottom end of the Premier League. Any chance that Nathan Jones gets his head turned again or as he as he learned his lesson from the from the Stoke fiasco? No, I don't think so. Not at all. He is fully committed uh, to Luton. You know, that was a big deal him coming back and he's made such a difference. You know, that was. We had a long-term future planned with, with Nathan before he went to Stoke. I think everybody understands why he went and and did that. Um, but you've got to be quite a special person on both sides when you think about the club as as well as Nathan to come back and say, Do you know what, I was wrong. This this wasn't the right thing to do, and we had a really good thing going here. Let's continue it. Um, and that's exactly what he's done when he's when he's come back. You know, he needed to win some fans over, which I feel as if. He's definitely done and, um, you know, his future is orange. Thanks, Faye. We'll hear from her again throughout the season, I'm sure. Now, what about the battle at the bottom then? Last season, it went right to the wire. In terms of strugglers this time, who are we thinking will fall into that category? Let's take Derby out of it, just for Ryan's mental health and because we've already <laughs> mentioned them quite a lot um Ryan you said Huddersfield maybe promotion I've got them down as maybe relegation three wins in 2021 they managed yeah I, I think that they are they are a team of extremes I think if things click for them I think they could be this a surprise package much like Luton for the top six but that is on the proviso that things click for them um but if the, if if they don't the 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 intensity that Corbrand demands his teams play with and the openness as well if those things don't click into place, they'll be hammered every week, and yeah, they could find themselves in a in a relegation dogfight. Now, you you look at uh, they brought in Jordan Rhodes to try and fill the 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 void at striker. Fraser Campbell is fine at this level, but I think you can do better. You look at they brought in Yaya Sonogo and uh, Umanias towards the end of last season to try and tighten those things up. Um, uh, sorry to to open those things up in an attacking sense didn't work. Uh, <laughs> in in midfield. You know, they, they brought in Dwayne Holmes to add a, a little bit of, of creativity. Didn't really spark anything there. So th- there's 
a lot that needs to fall into into place for for this squad. But I, I don't think I don't think there'll be a team that is just boring and sort of you know thirteenth in the championship. I think they'll push for promotion or they'll be trying to drag themselves out of the relegation fight. I always think Umanias sounds like something you'd say when you missed a chance. Umanias. Um, Clarky, it's usually the uh, the teams that come up that are favourites to go straight back down again. Indeed, that is the case. Nine to four on Blackpool, five to two on Peterborough with Paddy Power. Can you make a case for either of those two? Peterborough, famous for sort of coming up and going straight back down again in their previous yeah, championship I, visits. I don't buy into the fact that all three will go straight back down. I, th- I, I think Hull City might be all right. I think that they were a very solid team last season. They've not had major transformation they've brought in a number of hungry players that don't really have championship experience the new signings but but no I think I think from what I saw last season with the talent that they've got with Keen Lewis Potter Malik Wilkes Josh McGuinness they've got a lovely blend up front Honeyman in behind I think they can cause problems and, and that defence was 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 decent with for the Tigers now I, I see Hull as mid-table I see Peterborough as flirting with relegation, but but having enough to survive because of their goal threat. I think that Johnson, Clark, Harris, provided he stays fit. Jack Marriott, Ricky Dembele, these guys, Sammy Smodlicks. I think they can score enough goals for for them to survive. I do worry about them at the back. <laughs> they conceded plenty in League One, so so I think the goals against Tally will be quite high. Um, but as always, they'll be good to watch. But yeah, the one the one I'd say. Are most likely to, to to perhaps be relegated straight away at Blackpool, and that's I feel bad saying it because Neil Critchley is a fabulous coach, great tactician, had them you know in a wonderful shape last season, but they look a bit light. Um, if they get Ellis Sims back on loan up front, I might re- revise that opinion. But a lot of new faces, but none of them are sort of making me feel that they're going to transform them into. Um, champ, you know, mid-table championship side. So for me, they'll struggle. Sam, anyone we've not mentioned that you'd pick out? Maybe a Coventry or Bristol City who had that dreadful end to last season? Uh, no, neither of those two. I think Coventry will do really well to to emulate what they did last year. I think Waghorn's a, a decent pickup for them. I think likewise Bristol City. They did show great shoots of improvement under Nigel Pearson but they're ones I expect to improve uh, he's gone back to obviously some players that he he knew from his his time at Leicester in in James and King great signing Atkinson for, from Oxford I'm sure most clubs in the championship were in for him so I expect him to to hit the ground running um, Preston maybe bit of a rookie manager still that that goal scorer that we've spoken of so often I know Chad Evans is there they're looking to maybe pick up the lad from Accrington Stanley, which would be a really good get. But I'd have question marks about them, but I can't disagree with the promoted sides maybe going to struggle. Derby, obviously, and, and Huddersfield, I just don't really understand the the transfer business. Levi Colwell apart, who the lads are going to love watching. Really elegant. I've said that a number of times already today. Uh, centre-half <laughs> from Chelsea. Uh, I think probably only 18, Matt. Best player in the 23s for my money in the last 12 months. He's going to fit into the Corbrand style beautifully. Left-hand side of the back three, I would imagine. But the other guys, Pearson, not sure about at all from from Luton. Ruffles, Turton, 
Jordan Rhodes is a bit of a sentimental one, which I'm sure probably didn't come from the manager. So I'm not really getting that recruitment. So I think that could possibly be a bit of a disaster uh, and may mean a managerial change, but he's got something, the manager, so he may be able to get something out of them. But they they, they would be the ones I'd be be concerned about, along with the, the, the clubs that have been mentioned before. Well, commentary are 7-2 to two to get relegated, according to Paddy Power. The Sky Blues survived last season despite not playing any actual home games. They're back at the Rico Arena for the new term. Joining us for some Sky Blue thinking is the Athletics' Tom Hughes. Uh, Tom, Coventry supporters, of which you are one, can watch their team play in their city for the first time since 2019. How significant will, will playing home games at home be in terms of, of helping to get positive results? Because the, the record at St Andrews last season wasn't actually that bad. No, I was about to say that, actually, Matt. I don't know if it will have any impact at all because they were pretty good, as you say, at St Andrews. I think the positivity around the club is pretty obvious. They played Wolves yesterday in a friendly and there were all sorts of pictures on Twitter of kids going to their first Coventry game. Obviously, it's been such a long time for all clubs, but you know when you've been playing in a different city, it's even more so. So I think the positivity will help. Whether I don't know whether it will actually have any effect on the field. I guess we'll just wait and see. And, and do you think that this will help re-engage supporters with the club or, or the fact that they haven't been able to attend games for a season and a half? Or would that kind of take care of itself anyway? I think initially it's bound to have an impact. I would say there's a lot of work to be done by the club. This isn't the first time it's happened. You know, twice in the last seven years, Coventry have had to play out of the city. And I think the club have got a lot of work to do to win back all those fans. There'll be an initial bump. But I still think that it's a really, really broken relationship. If it's a bad start to the season, particularly, you know, I don't think it's going to be that easy to repair. Tom, how's that pitch looking back in Coventry? Because I I understand <laughs> that the players really enjoyed playing at St Andrews for, for long periods because of the style of football and because it was in pretty good nick uh, during their time there. And uh, I know it was problematic when they were last in Coventry. It was a disaster, wasn't it? With the rugby team playing every other week, the pitch was always a mess. Yeah, they were they were good at St Andrews and they, they're obviously a team that Mark Robbins gets them playing great football. They don't score me goals, but they play really tidy stuff. And yeah, it probably will be a new challenge, actually. I would, I would say that I'd be surprised if their home record is as good at the Rico Arena. That doesn't mean it's the... Sorry, it's not the Rico Arena anymore. But that's not to say... Um, they shouldn't be going back. I do think their home record will suffer though. And I think that's a really good point about the pitch. Coventry have come a long way in quite a short time. It only seems five minutes ago I was I was commentating on a game where they were in a League Two playoff. You're now in the Championship. Obviously, season of consolidation last year. Will Coventry fans be happy, Tom, with another season like that? Or, or is there an expectation that, that you should be finishing, say, in the top half this year? No, I don't think so. I think fans will be happy enough if the football is good and they're not in a relegation fight. I think they will forgive uh, a rather tedious sort of mid-table season. I would say one thing, actually, that you talk about that playoff game and in the the League Two final against Exeter at Wembley. It's funny because Coventry have been at, you know, in their new stadium there for 15 years and the club's never had like, a moment there it's never had like that one one even one special game to bring all the fans together so I I do wonder that's the one thing the stadium needs is like a moment to bring everyone together to create 
that sort of collective feeling of like history being made by this team. Uh, I've gone off of the point a little bit as to what you made, but that would really help bring the club back into the city. And it's something that they need. As for expectations, yeah, I think mid-table will be more than acceptable. They struggled for goals. And if they can score more goals this season, that would be pretty good. Keep our fingers crossed for you, Tom. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the season. Thanks, Matt. Good luck on Sunday. Yeah? <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Now that most clubs will tell you it's been difficult to do much transfer business in this COVID-affected marketplace, it hasn't stopped them from trying and in some cases succeeding. Let's pick a, a couple of moves that have caught your eye. Adrian, you can kick us off. I think I think Birmingham have caught my eye in the transfer market. I think bringing in uh, Tahith Chong from Manchester United on loan is potentially exciting. Um, but you look around the other side, it's Ryan Woods from Stoke. Jordan Graham from Gillingham, you know, old-fashioned winger that would take people on. Chuck Zaniki, who worked with Bowie at, at Charlton, has the potential. Uh, Juan Castillo, who, who Sam will know more about from, from Chelsea, I guess. Um, and Dion Sanderson from, from Wolves. I, I think there are some some decent acquisitions there. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing how Birmingham fare. I know they got spanked, didn't they, by West Brom in a, in a pre-season friendly, which doesn't bode well. But But I quite like the look of their recruitment. How about you, Ryan? Obviously not Derby, but anybody else? Um, yeah, Emiliano Marcondes going to Bournemouth. Um, I, I I love that. I love everything about that because what I thought Bournemouth lacked, particularly towards the, the end of the season, was just a bit of oomph down the middle. Just someone that picks the ball up and runs forwards. Um Marcondes, I thought, did that really, really effectively for for Brentford. He carried a lot of, uh, you know, a big threat down down the middle for them. You want him to improve his, you know, his numbers in in the stat sheet. Of course you do, um, but I think as at times Bournemouth were a little bit passive, it, it, particularly in midfield, they could be a little bit passive. They could leave um, Solanke a, a little bit isolated up there, and I think Marcondes will will fix that that problem that they got him, you know, for nothing barring his wages it is I think also a superb bit of of business as, as well so yeah that was um, that that to me really really stood out when, when they managed to, to grab him Sam you mentioned a couple already Jack Marriott and, and George Grant seem like, like good pickups for Peterborough I thought anybody else catch your eye? Yeah it blew my mind that Jack Marriott's 26 was <laughs> unbelievable I thought he was like coming towards the end but yeah really good signing <laughs> Well, you know where I'm going here, Matt, don't you? Um, QPR, brilliant business. Uh, to get you know all the 
the guy's signatures who came in and prospered so much in the um, second half of the season. I think third best points return since the turn of the year. Uh, I was really surprised that Charlie Austin, Johansson, Device were all able to sign permanently. I thought wages may be a bit of an issue, but they've obviously gone for it. McCallum as well. Odebarjo's come in in the last 48 hours, which will give them legs in the wide positions. I'm always a bit concerned about QPR's lack of pace and I'm not really seeing that being addressed, but maybe it's just a, a sign that you know, Warburton's going to stick with the style that he went with last year, probably be uh, 3-5-2, a variation of that, and, and probably have Dykes with Austin up top and try and supply them and go through Ilias chair in the centre of the pitch. So maybe it's not going to be too much of an issue, but I just think to, to change things up that maybe another wide forward or uh, a quick little centre forward to complement what they've already got would be would be great. But I'm rubbing my hands together actually about QPR's prospects. I think they've got a good opportunity of getting towards those playoffs. Um, two more I wanted to pick out, Vrancic and uh, Wilmot at Stoke. A uh, lot of go-ins at, at Stoke. But I think those two, Vrancic, because of his track record in the championship, really graceful player, can play a variety of positions, good for a goal from free kicks. And and Wilmot's been great every time I've seen him at, at Watford and subsequently, um, sorry, previously at, at Swansea, had a, had a brilliant spell. So I think they're two big signings for Stoke, which would see them improve under Michael O'Neill. Definitely. I, I feel that QPR... I've got a great shot at the playoffs. Def- definitely feel like a club on the up. They're, they're doing things the right way. Manager's got a very clear philosophy. Recruitment was great. And like you say, the, the, the run of form they had towards the end of last season gives them great momentum. I, I definitely, I have them in my top six, Queen's Park Rangers. So yeah, I think exciting times at Loftus Road. Should mention Luton, I guess, who, who have brought in a, a number of really good players. Lots of experience and a little bit of youth as well in the likes of um, Carlos Mendes Gomez. So, yeah, I think I think Luton's... Um, uh, the new-look Luton are quite exciting. I just want to throw some love to a couple of now ex-Derby players. So, I think I think Matt Clark going to West Brom is is a tremendous um, deal. They've lost uh, Higazi and Ivanovic, bringing in Clark, or even though it's only you know temporary. I think that, with the centre-backs that they've already got at, at the club, I, I think that might be the best sort of, you know, centre back grouping across across the division. He, he's such a good defender, Clark, and he'll give West Brom a lot of balance as a left sided um centre back. Uh, and I think as Sam touched on before, Wycorn to Coventry I think is a bit of an underrated one. I, I think Wycorn is eternally under underappreciated for, for for what he does generally. And I know as a striker you are always uh, measured by how many goals you you scored. He didn't have a good season last season, but nobody did at Derby. That's why they were in the position that they were in. No one had a particularly good season. The season before that he was their joint top score goal scorer. He's a versatile player. I I think for Coventry that's a really, really good signing. And again, like you know, you get him for no fee. By the way, we mentioned QPR. If you think that they can get promoted, you can get six to one on that from Paddy Power, 13 to five to finish in the top six. Uh, listener, if you're new to the show, you might not be aware that I support the two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest. Uh, so just to have a word on them, they've already made their biggest signing of the summer and that is Dane Murphy, who has come across from Barnsley to be Forest CEO and they've needed somebody competent in that position for a number of years. And so far, they slash we have signed one player, a backup goalkeeper. If you remember, Forest signed 14 players last season. They were all crap and we ended up absolutely nowhere. So hopefully things will be better 
this time around, which uh, leads me nicely to our last port of call, which will be some predictions. We'll we'll play these back at the end of the season and, and laugh at how wrong we all were. Let's start with the winner of the division, Adrian Clark. Who's it going to be? It is going to be Scott Parker's Bournemouth. They are my tip for the title this season. There you go. Sam, you pulled a face and made a noise. Uh, I'm guessing you haven't picked Bournemouth. I love it from Clarky. Tremendous start. Uh, I haven't. Um, I think I'm doing this on the uh, off the cuff a little bit, but um, I'm going to go for Fulham. I'll stick with what I what I said earlier. The test for Silver, I think, is just getting everyone tuned in. Do all those guys that are in quite an inflated squad at the moment want to play in the Championship? Can he keep hold of Anguissa and Mitrovic and the like to fire them to glory? How about you, Ryan? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with Sam. I respect Adrian's right to be wrong, but um, <laughs> if with it, and obviously the transfer window is still is still open, but with the squad they've got now, um, Alexander Mitrovic now with Harry Wilson at the club as well, as well as all the the outstanding talent for Championship level that they they already have, and Gazaniga in goal, I think, is a, a really solid replacement for for Areola. Yeah, I just think Fulham have got the most goals in them to win enough games to win the league. Uh, I'm going Sheffield United. I think Jukanovic is the X factor. I think he's a really, really good championship manager. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick them. Uh, that leaves two spots to fill in terms of promoted teams. Who you got, Ryan? Uh, I'm going to go with Sheffield United as the automatic promotion as, as runner up. Oh boy. <laughs> and then uh, I think, I think I'm going to go Bournemouth. I think I'm going to go Bournemouth. I, I really, really like this West Brom team. I must admit, I do, I do enjoy Ishmael's style of play, but not in a way that I'm proud of. I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, it's such a different style of play. And look, he got results at Barnsley. It's not, it's, it's not for for, for me. But I think I, I just don't think that that will carry them to promotion. That if if he's going to try and replicate that with with West Brom, I don't think it will carry him to promotion. Certainly not in his first season. There, uh, Sam, who you got going up with Fulham? I, he's changing my mind now, Ryan, with that spiel. Um, I'm going to have to stick with what I said earlier. It could go horribly wrong at West Brom, but I think, you know, what a squad they've got. You know, loads of great attacking players. The, the two guys that Ryan said that have come in, Moet and, and Clark, as good as you can get, I think. So I'm going to have to go for them. And then I'm going to go for, I'm going to do that annoying thing where people predict goal scorers of a game. I'm going to tell you the playoff final. It's going to be <laughs> Scott Parker's Bournemouth to beat Another ex-Fulham manager, Slavisa Jukanovic at uh, Wembley. So Bournemouth maybe to play Sheffield United. Nice. Uh, Clarky, who's your other two? Very nice. Very, very good detail from Sam. Look, me and Sam <laughs> have got the same three going up. So there you go. Fulham, I think, will probably finish in the automatic. It's hard to argue with anything the boys have said. Uh, the only doubt for me is, is a little bit over Marco Silva. But in the same breath, he showed enough in, in spurts in his previous job that, that he does know what he's doing. So I think he'll shine. Uh, and I, I would have West Brom to, to win the playoffs. It is a big ask to have this sort of big change of style. But the talent is there. Look really solid at the back. And and the front guys, you know, Dean Garner, Robinson, people like that, um, I think can um, can shine. And, and I believe that they'll, yeah, they'll be active before the end of the window as well in terms of bringing in one or two loans. So Bournemouth to win the title, West Brom and Fulham to also go up. 
I've gone left field for my two promoted team choices. I'm going Middlesbrough, and I thought this even before Ryan made the point about their bully boy status. I'm going Middlesbrough just because Warnock. Uh, And I'm also going for the two-time champions of Europe, Nottingham Forest, because I've made this prediction every year for 22 years, and I'm duty-bound to do so. 22 years, Ryan, that's more than half my life, and I'm old. Matt, 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 I I respect you most of the time. You cannot come on this podcast with this unserious manner. Pick a serious team. Pick a serious team, please. Hey, Ryan, more question marks about drinking on a Monday lunchtime, surely. (laughs) It's outrageous. You own well, alone, we play Matt. this back at the end of the season when we've stormed the division. You're not going to be eating <laughs> humble, tricky tree pie. Nottingham Forest. Well, I'm not. I don't believe it as the words are coming out of my mouth. But hey, <laughs> God loves a tryer. Um, what about relegated sides, Ryan? It's natural to throw to you first, given that Derby are the heavy favourites to be relegated because of the calamity that is their football club at the moment. Well, that is a loaded question, Matt Davis Adams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um, Derby are probably favourites right now to be to be relegated. Now, if they go into the season with with the squad that they utilised against Notts County, which featured none of the trial, well, unfair to call them trialists because we know who they are with respect to careers, but with none of the unsigned players that will help beef up the numbers throughout. I don't think it's a squad that can compete. Neither does manager Wayne Rooney. He's been on record as saying that if they don't get signings, they can't compete. Now, the hope is that Rooney had said after the Notts County game that he was feeling for the first time confident that they would be able to 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 bring players in. And my understanding is that a couple of those that were beefing up the numbers um, maybe be brought in. But even then, uh, <laughs> as I can't really articulate it, so I'll just make that noise. Um, I think Blackpool might struggle. I just don't think they'll have enough, enough goals in them. And I actually worry Peterborough. Might might struggle. Sam mentioned that you know Jack Marriott is he's going to be a good signing for them. I think he he will be if he can stay fit. Um, some of his injury problems, I believe, have been a product of mismanagement at Derby, but that's another discussion. Um, but I think Peterborough. Yeah, I think I think Peterborough. No, Derby, Peterborough, Blackpool. They're my three. Uh, Clarky, I'm going Derby, Huddersfield, Blackpool for my three to go down. Can can you offer any advance on that? Well, I'll just save time. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, Derby, <laughs> Huddersfield, and Blackpool—they're going down. <laughs> I, just, I just think, yeah, I just think, yeah, a bit, bit. I like. There's a lot to like at Blackpool, but just a little bit short on championship quality. Derby's a mess, and Huddersfield. I think there'll be a lot of upheaval. I think. I think that the manager will change, and and yet yeah, they might not get it right this year. Anybody that we've not mentioned making your three, Sam? Oh, I'm going to go for Hull City. And I know they've kept hold of their best attacking players, but I still worry if McGuinness or I don't know if Eves is still there, but, you know, can they get a number nine getting a good return of goals? I know they've got the firepower in Wilkes and and uh, Lewis Potter and, and Randall Williams is a good signing coming in, but I think they may be the ones to struggle um, stepping up a level. I know they let Burke go to, to Luton. It was a free transfer, actually, but I think he's always been a good stalwart for them defensively so yeah I just think Posh have got more goals in them and there's something about Neil Critchley you know that tail end of the season as well they'll be flying on the crest of a wave I think going into this new campaign so they'd be the ones of the promoted sides that I'd be uh, worried about so I'll give you the other two. two yeah Derby uh, even though I feel it's a bit of a cop-out because I still think that <laughs> something miraculous might happen there but I'm just going with the crowd and uh, Huddersfield, for the, the reasons previously stated on today's podcast, I won't bore the listeners again. 
Uh, in terms of date of Neil Warnock's first rant about a referee, I'm going to do a Sam on this and get specific. It will be Sunday the 8th of August at half past three in the afternoon after their opening game of the season against Fulham has concluded. Uh, anyone going a bit earlier than that? Maybe he'll go, go mid-match, Clarkie, and just, just do that thing where he looks into the camera menacingly but says, hey, referee, time. terrible. Yeah, I wonder what else he's got in that bum bag of his. Yeah, um, it was great, wasn't it, to see, you know, pre-signed photos in the old bum bag. Um, but yeah, he might have some weaponry for the fourth official in it for this season. Yeah, so maybe earlier. Okay, Ryan, I'm, go- I'm going Sunday. I'm going yeah. Sunday. The uh, he's going to have a go at the officials for the game Fulham Middlesbrough being of too big a magnitude for the officials to handle something along those lines, and he's just going to go. He's going to go mad in front of the new stand. It's going to be brilliant for all the uh, for all the snappers. You know, you're going to get the, the 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 beautiful new stand at Fulham along the water and and Warnock seething. Yeah, they, they, I'm 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 with I'm with Sam on this. Fulham are going to absolutely pace Middlesbrough on on the opening weekend of of the season. And Warnock will bemoan that the referees bowed down to the crowds being back. You know, they're not being used to not used to playing with crowds, and now the crowds are back, yeah, and that influenced yeah, yeah. the decisions. Hey, that, that that neutral stand at Fulham was just too partisan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, and that's what's and that's what's gonna that that's gonna be the even though they'll have been beaten convincingly three 0 and it could have been more. But but yeah, it's gonna be after the after the first game. I can see it now. It's written. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to play this one back at the end of the season. We'll just play it on uh, on next Monday's show. Uh, right, Abby is busy laminating those lists as we speak. We'll recite them on our end of the season pod and laugh at how wrong we were. That'll do it for today, though. On Tuesday, we'll drop our Leagues 1 and 2 preview pod where Sam, Adrian and I will be joined by Joby McEnough. Until then, many thanks for joining us, Ryan. I'm sure we'll speak to you again soon. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Clarky, looking forward to getting into Leagues 1 and 2 tomorrow. Absolutely, yeah. Can't wait. It's uh, Yeah, you, you can feel it now, can't you? The start of the new season. It's brilliant. Sam, you can get back to your farm animal-based holiday for a couple of hours. Thank you, mate. Uh, blue skies ahead, going for a pint. Come on, Swindon! <laughs> Excellent. Speak to you tomorrow. Until then, goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places, or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.